All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Busy week? No, I mean, it's a short week, which has kind of been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've uh, been experimenting with a new lifestyle. Oh. Not, not really. That's, I'm interested. That's a way more elaborate way of, 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 of saying that I've been getting up an hour early every day. That's cool. Uh, really, like just that. as like... You're uh, like Mark Wobbler. Yeah. Well, not quite late. I'm not getting up at like 2 a.m. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm getting up at 6.30 just to like break my rut. I find yeah. that my mornings are like I, and I'm very lucky. I have hours and hours anyway before I have to go to work, which yeah. most people don't have that luxury. But I find that if I have four hours between when I get out of bed and when I have to be at work, I'm doing nothing with that time, sure, except like pacing around my house trying to find something to call to me. Yeah, and so I've just kind of thrown a monkey wrench into my schedule, and I find that I'm being a little bit more creative in the mornings, and I'm just feeling a little more fulfilled before mm-hmm. the workday starts. To me, I think that's like perfect gym time. Which I saw you at the gym last night. Yep. We've been going to the same gym for like two years. This is the first time that we saw each other. <laughs> cross paths finally. <laughs> um, but I, man, four hours in the morning. That's like the perfect time. You would think so. But there are two hours on weekday mornings that are blacked out at our gym. Oh, which brutal. Which is like exactly when I would absolutely yeah. go. If I'm like, I'm not feeling creative. I just want to turn my brain off. Totally. For sure I'd go for a run at the gym. Blacked out. Yeah. Probably for cleaning or something. Okay. Strange. Yeah. Hang on a second. We got the the computer's going to be singing songs to us all night. All right. Never mind. We're good now. Do you, you don't have a phone charger here, do you? I'd plug mine uh, in if you did. No, not in this room. That's okay. Do you want to like go plug it in somewhere else in the house? No, I'll just see how it goes. Okay. My phone dies, it dies. Today's not Jen's birthday, is it? Tomorrow is Jen's birthday. Hey. Good memory. Hey, it's not a great memory. Uh, you know what it is? Becky is um, making cakes right now. She's making two cakes for family members. Yep. And she, we've been like commiserating a lot about like how intense October is for cakes. <laughs> yeah. And we even had a conversation the other day where we were like, is Jen, is her birthday also in October? And then Becky checked on her Instagram. Dude. We knew it was this week. I totally forgot. Didn't I get Becky to make a cake? last year yeah day of i was trying to think because i once again did not get a cake made (laughs) and you're not getting it this time (laughs) but what happened i know what happened this time was jen's friend lisa well our friend lisa um said hey i might try my hand she said this to me yesterday i might try my hand at bacon a gluten and dairy free cake Mm -hmm. like would that be cool and i was like Oh my God! Thank you for the reminder. God bless Lisa. Because <laughs> again, my my parents, I don't know if they come from a time when like the birthday cake was the gift. <laughs> but if if you don't get a, get a birthday cake, like I remember, I told told them that like, oh yeah, no, I didn't actually. Uh, we didn't do a birthday cake for Jen's birthday. Like I gave her the gifts and whatever, which was probably like a a, a very decent gift. Yeah. But my parents were like, oh, you didn't get her. There was no cake. <laughs> like there's such a ritual and ceremony around cakes in my family. So that was a big thing when you were growing up. It's interesting that it was an important rite of passage in your childhood birthdays. Yeah. But you haven't grown up to cherish the cake as an, a necessary item for no, birthdays. No, I kind of get reminded every year like after dinner. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to have a birthday cake. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. And that's not related to you being gluten intolerant. That's just true no, that's, perspective. I, that's always the way I've I've been. I just don't prioritize, think that much about a birthday cake. Because cakes are pretty significant in my family as well. Yep. And my mom is a good baker. 
She always made this pound cake, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And now she makes it with way more lemon than she used to. And I'm allergic to that. <laughs> she swears to God it's the same recipe. And you're like, mom, I'm, yeah, but I'm breaking a, out over A few here. times I, I've been like, mom, this is I have a mouthful of lemon cake. And she's like, no, you don't. You're fine. And I'm like, no, this is a different cake than you made when <laughs> I was growing up. Do you, ha- do you get affected by it? Is your like throat? No, because like, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. But like, and because it's also unmistakable and then I don't eat the rest of the cake. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've spent most of my adult life with the same woman who obviously takes cakes very seriously. And so for my entire life, there's not going to be a missed birthday cake. No, that's fair. I'm very lucky. Yeah, in good that for sense. you. Yeah. Last year I made Becky's birthday cake. She requested that she that I make it, that I like okay. fill it with like love. I'm still like feeling guilty that I haven't ever done this, but again, it always just occurs to me the day before that I haven't baked a cake. Honestly, it went great. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It went fine, and I'm not like comfortable in that kind of atmosphere. Maybe on Saturday I'll try to like bake a cake the day after her birthday. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Any other plans for the weekend? That's a new question. I don't ask you that. Very you don't often. ask me weekend questions. No, no. Uh, no I, I, I'm actually pretty, pretty free this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Nothing really going on. What about you? Uh yeah. I'll probably try and see some friends. Nice. I want to see No Time to Die. Yeah, it's time. Do it. <laughs> it's time for No Time. My God, it's definitely time. Use hashtag It's Time for No Time to get <laughs> free popcorn at the Cineplex. I'm Tanner Zipchen's ghost. Oh, TTYL. Yeah. Sometimes he pops up on my TikTok and it always makes me happy. Oh, wow. What's he yeah. saying? Well, I don't know if it's original content or if he's just like rerunning his interviews with like Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell, oh, okay. which I would do too if yeah, I had yeah, that kind of content. But I hope good things for that guy. Why hasn't he got a job with like ET Canada? I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I don't know. That's a good idea. I, I think he has like a decent radio job. I don't I don't think he's right. like living on the streets or anything. Right. But uh, he's very talented and living very on the streets. very recognizable. So it seems to me he should have his uh, his pick of the jobs. I think so too. Talented guy. Talented guy. Yeah. I watched The Guilty, which we talked about last week. The yeah. Gyllenhaal movie. Now, what did you think about it? I, I feel mixed about it. Because yeah. on the one hand, I think he's an extraordinary actor. Yeah. And you're right how... how how play like it is yeah. it's it's so obviously just a covid movie in that he he plays a cop who's been benched because of some indiscretion yep. on the beat and mm-hmm. you find out as the movie goes on what that was and mm-hmm. in the interim before his court date he's working as a 911 operator and he doesn't really have the temperament for the job no um and uh, so the whole movie takes place in this call center and it's really the whole movie is camera on jake right and I think his whole thing is like he's his character is like maybe too quick to react to. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah that's kind of his like, you know, he's fast tempered if that's a. Well, and he took the law term. into his own hands while he was uh, on the beat. Yep. And now he's kind of doing it again. Like it's it's he's 100 percent. doing. He it like finds a private call center room so that he can take this particular emergency yep. that he's become fully enraptured in. he's fully yep. invested in uh this woman who's been kidnapped and her children who are at home yeah and there's a bit of like a holier than thou feeling amongst the other call like he's like still feeling like a cop well the call center people are like that's not what you do like do you want to try that again right so on the one hand i think he's a, a wonderful actor yeah and he really sells it and I don't think it's like melodramatic, although at times I think it's a, a whole friggin' lot. Totally. And I didn't know until afterward, and I read about it, it, it that it's a, a remake of a Dutch film. Oh, which okay. Is by the like the film boys' standards, it's much better. The original. Sure, is. I could imagine. 
uh, and it's otherwise like, I, I guess, a shot for shot remake, but without giving anything away, the fate of the baby is what's different. Gotcha. So you can imagine what that means for the yeah, ending of the original, the original one. Um, I will never watch it again. No, no, it's, it's definitely a, not a rewatch. It's a real bummer, but it, it's, it's, a bummer. it's well made. It's well intentioned it, and it, the performance is strong. It just kind of made me like, you can understand why I brought it up. For sure. Yeah. What, like it's one of those movies where I finished it and I was like, huh. Uh, that was kind of like a. I probably won't forget watching this movie. No, it's. I mean, it's gripping, and yeah. and, and there's really a very specific skill set in in making a bottle movie, if we totally. want to use that term. Yeah, so consistently exciting. Yeah. I don't know if Phone Booth is still as good as it was when I first saw phone it. Phone Booth is pretty good. But, I damn. feel like this is kind of close. Yeah, Phone Booth kind of blew my mind when I saw it when yeah. I was like 15 or whatever. Yeah, and Locke is like that. And remember the Ryan Reynolds movie Buried? Never saw it, but never, I remember it. Never saw it, um, but I have to imagine also like that can't be any fun. Like I, no. I, I think it's apparently one of his better movies. Yeah, but I think it's probably no fun. <laughs> I remember like probably sixteen years ago watching like E. T. Canada. No, just maybe E. T. And uh, they were like, and Ryan Reynolds might be a shoe in for Oscar this year, oh. and it was like showing his like early before it was like months before this movie comes out yeah um but then it was like no one really talked about it obviously he's talented and like everybody likes him but i think deadpool has created this uh false memory this mandela effect of the the star power of ryan reynolds totally he's like an a-lister now when he was not an a-lister before well no in fact he was kind of a trash magnet like there's there's so much joking about how bad uh, Green Lantern was yep. as if that was his dud. Yeah. But he was in so many duds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of rom-coms kind of like in between that were like, you know, kind of the same playbook as Matthew McConaughey did, but then Matthew McConaughey came back with like the McConaissance. Right. And I think the McConaughey rom-coms, the Kate Hudson rom-coms, if you mm-hmm. will, were at least like very formulaic and, and not daring. Right. But like just friends, which is Anna Ferris and Amy Smart and Ryan Reynolds is like, it has a cult following because it's too weird to be a Kate Hudson rom-com. Oh. But also it's kind of terrible. Gotcha. The change up with Jason Bateman was like such a Friday movie, like one it and done it. Right. Um, like a body switch. Waiting. I, I don't know if people still like care about waiting. I kind of feel mm. like that probably doesn't age very well. No, it definitely doesn't. He was just floating around until he, floating and then around. even his X- X-Men movies weren't good until he managed to like yeah, no, take that character in another direction. Distinctively bad. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I've thought about that before too. I'm like, Ryan Reynolds is like one of those actors who who could be an A-lister in any movie, Yeah, but at the same time doesn't really have the track record. He's also that. very likable and he's apparently a good uh, marketer. Good like, human. Like that we know off the top of our heads that his gin is aviation gin says he's doing a good job. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Eh. Yeah. People like, I've seen nine of the 12 Ted Lasso's. Oh, okay. I kind of thought you'd be done by this week. I was going to say last night, like there's 12 of them. I know. And you said you were taking it day by day, so I shouldn't have expected in seven days. You'd finish 12. Roughly one a day. Um, I got to say, like, without, I don't want to spoil the ending because I, I, I have a hunch that it took some people by surprise. But they are building some emotional things in this season mm-hmm. that I think I was not prepared for. Yeah. It's really a season about mental health. 
Yep. We just watched the Coach Beard episode where he has his own private episode. What did you think about that? Um, I was I was prepared not to like it, and actually I did. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, because I think that was one of the two episodes. Actually, I'm like 99% sure that that was one of the two episodes that ended up being kind of um, shoehorned in. Yeah. Because Apple ordered two more. Two more. Yeah. So the Christmas one, and then it had to be that Coach Beard one. Probably, because it has no other real impact on the overall story. No. Except for that, it's kind of unfair to that character that he's been given no development before here and now. Yeah, it, it is true. It's funny the way they kind of work Jane into his whole psyche. Um, and right. I, I think there could probably be like a report written on the books he reads mm. in every episode too, kind of like White Lotus. Like, is he reading significant books? I haven't noticed that. I think he is. Okay. And I only noticed that like in the last episode. All right. And I was like, I bet if you Googled in every episode what, what book he's reading, it would uh, add up to something. I'm still not clear on how we're meant to interpret the Jane of it all. Like, I'm not really sure what's real. Like, the the episode kind of starts, and it has this through line of these sportscasters who are basically, like, his ego, like, or or, right. or, or not. Like, but they're this imaginary thing that are representative of his self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And so, from... Which we've never known him to be before. No, but like from the jump, uh, you don't really know if any of what he's experiencing is real or right. how he's perceiving it is real. Like later on, he has the run in with this like big meathead who's the husband of the woman who takes him home to fix fix his pants. And he seems like he's going to like kill him. Yeah, like tear his bones apart. But actually, he's just trying to return his wallet. And so it, there's this unreliable narrator quality to the episode where after it i'm like okay that was very interesting i guess i'll i'll dwell on it for a while but i don't know how much of it was even real right yeah you're 100 percent right mm. um i found it kind of painful mm. like i thought it it went on a little too long yep it, we d- it does like, go long man this is a long time to be following beard for i thought it was sweet when he hooks up the the boys from the bar and they get to like run around in the stadium. Yeah. And when he finally gets to the bar and uh, that song comes on, just came to say hello. Or... Yeah. I found like great song choice. Yep. Can't Liked con. what was happening there. Mm-hmm. Is it can't con? It okay. is. Okay. Um, anyways, that was fun. But like we've had. You enjoyed that. Oasis, Don't Look Back in Anger. You Can't Always Get What You Want. Yeah. The uh, No, it was another Rolling Stones song. But there was We Are the Champions. Like I was thinking about the friggin' music budget that this yeah. show has yeah sh- uh uh not ruby tuesday but it's of the ilk though she, isn't it she, and she, she's like a rainbow she, she's like a rainbow yeah it was like she walks in rainbows yeah that's uh, radiohead speaking of radiohead karma police ends one uh yeah did you watch that episode yet no okay. or maybe i did i don't know i think i've heard that song recently yeah i'm very excited to finish that and i've also uh i've watched two-thirds of attack of the hollywood cliches which is like, it's got Rob Lowe in it. And it's, I think you'd okay. like it actually. It's just a one hour special on Netflix. Oh, they, this they, is kind of the like CNN recap. It's very much, very much like that. And they motor through it really quickly. Okay. And it has you thinking like, wow, they really thought of all of the, like, like fighting an enemy on top of a moving train and yeah. like, the Wilhelm scream. And, right. And so, which I can me, only guess what the Wilhelm scream is. Yeah, it's that sound effect. That, that like high pitch yes. scream. That's and it's kinda... just a movie joke, essentially. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like sound editors will just like slip it into action movies and it's been in hundreds of movies. Right. They talk about the origin of it. And that's what I find really interesting is like the historical component of this documentary is it sure. tells you how these things came to be. They show you the first ever car chase in a movie. 
and it's like really slow. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Um, what's a, a down point about it is that it's actually very cynical and I was kind of depressed by some of it. Like right. it's, it's pointing out all of these little lazinesses or, or just like flaws, character flaws in movies that I like. Right. Or and especially if we're talking about like racism as it exists in, in, uh, contemporary movies like the white savior or whatever is pointing out these characters that like mm. i'm i'm kind of bummed about now interesting choice for rob Lowe too as though he has like made choices that are above any of these cliches does he point that out at any point like he's on a show called like 911 where he right. plays like 911 lone star he's not superior in it okay that's not really the tone of voice he has right in fact i think he's quite self-aware in it gotcha um he's kind of just like the playful host i'm getting a lot of rob Lowe because i've been listening to parks and recollection oh yeah okay only because i love parks and recreation yeah. but it's not a good podcast um alan yang is the real mvp nice the rest of it is just kind of chaos and he's got good energy he has really good energy and, and he's very smart and he has a better memory for the show than rob Lowe has right um, but unlike office ladies, and I can't believe I'm going to give that podcast some cred, they actually don't get into the minutia of each episode at all. Right. They just kind of say over and over and over again that the original conceit for Parks and Rec was that it was an office spinoff. And then they don't really get into the details. They just talk about like how Nick Offerman is talented. Wow. It's not, it's not, um, strict enough they're not it's, breaking down like certain lines that were impressive need, or improvised they need a or, better show map yeah yeah and i'm pretty sure alan yang was like the showrunner which surprises me i mean i guess he's just not taking it super seriously but you're saying he's the mvp yeah mike sure was the showrunner but i think he was probably one of the more contributive writers right and yeah. slash director slash oh by the way listen to bj novak on armchair expert yeah the only reason I did was because I saw Dax's post saying I super regret, and it was kind of like clickbaity. I super regret the way that I started this podcast, and I'm like very sorry about yeah. how it came off. Because yeah, he shouldn't be embarrassed about it, though. I actually thought it was great. It was, yeah, it, it was good. Yeah, Him it was. Saying, it was. A, I think actually, I don't like you, and I was like, whoa. It was a I weird love way. This honesty. It was a weird way to phrase it. That's yeah. all. Because yeah. he, he spends the next two hours explaining what he means and nobody's feelings were hurt. And apologizing like 400 times. I know I was kind of like hard on BJ Novak last week. I kind of talked about him as this like snobby Harvard comedy writer. Well, I think that's what we were talking about was that like that's what we think our perception is. And he's aware of that perception of him. Totally. And he was making it clear. I thought it was a really, really good like episode of any podcast. Yeah. It was just a really rich and true conversation. Mm -hmm. All the stuff about the anxieties of being a writer was really uh, potent to me yeah. and just like being a person in the world and like not knowing how people think of you totally or being too shy and having it come off like uh, ego. Right. I thought and, that was all very relatable and not having hobbies because he's like too busy thinking about like, if I'm watching a show, I'm thinking of how can I cast this person? If I'm yeah. like, he's like just kind of always, yeah. Trapped in his thoughts. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched anything else this week? Should I we have. talk about other news? I watched uh, all of Midnight Mass. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a friggin' staunchly terrifying yeah. uh, episode. It, and it's darker, way darker. Than Hill House. Than Hill House, yeah. Which always seems to kind of have like, 
I don't want to give too much away, but it always seems to have like a sort of like happy ending where you're like a little less afraid. That's by what the end people of it. say about Hill House is that by the end of it, it's usually kind of sweet, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. This was not. Okay. Not that. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. Very good. And like the sweetness, there there are elements of that for sure. Um, but it was a crazy story. Good story or just like pulpy and fun? No, a good story. Cool. I think. Yeah. I, I think there's. Maybe a little bit of fluff that they... And that's fine. But I think you can't... Yeah, you kind of need it in yeah. that story. And character turns that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Are you able to not spoil it by telling me a little bit more about the priest? And like sure. what, what we do with that character? Sure. Because obviously he's like the central villain. So the priest um, essentially comes back... And he's not the central villain. Okay. Which is kind of the... the and again, I don't want to give too much away, but like... He comes back to the town uh, after going on this. Um, you know how the the priest has gone. He says like, "Hey, he's gone to his uh, retreat in yeah. Jerusalem or something. He's going to the motherland. He's fine. He's just uh, he's back home now, but he's in a hospital on the mainland." But really, this new priest is just young old priest. Yeah, yeah. And so the whole thing. I don't even know at what point in the story it gets there. It's maybe like episode three or four but when he's in jerusalem he like forgets where he is he's kind of got dementia and he like wanders into the desert and like keeps wandering and there's a sandstorm and he finally takes shelter in a cave mm. kind of like a you know like jesus's resurrection cave kind of thing that's oh, okay. the kind of vibes you get from it yeah but there's this like creature that's in there oh and the creature's like terrifying looking. And it basically like rushes over and like drinks all his like blood out of his neck. Oh god. Yeah. Oh man. No as, more details, as please. As far as gore goes, yeah. this show would haunt your dreams. Yeah. Because it is super gory. Yeah. Like way more gory than Hell House. Um anyways, then he like Um essentially, you know, the whole like blood of Christ thing seems to come into play where like this demon with wings that he starts calling like the like the angel okay and who does the priest young priest yeah young priest kind of like sees this as like a holy angel that like helped him turn young and then like actually transports oh that's when he becomes young priest that's right oh god so he like leaves the cave being like young priest Mm. and then transports this uh angel back to the island the island he brings it there he brings it he is the central villain he is the monster in town but his frankenstein his intent he's frankenstein but his intent is not he essentially wants to like kind of take suffering away but also there are other elements to the island that he's specifically trying to solve. All right. Well, yeah. I was never going to watch it, but I'm glad to know that that's a good decision by me. It definitely was. Yeah, <laughs> I meant to text you like while watching the the finale being like, "Whoa." It doesn't seem zeitgeisty though. People aren't like blogging about Midnight Mass the way they were Hill House a couple of years ago. I think they would be if it weren't for Hill House first, but I think there are a lot of posts of like, "Why aren't we talking about this?" mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But yeah, it's not, I don't even know if it's like a Netflix top 10 thing. No. Well, I mean, all of the friggin' articles are about Squid Game, which is now officially Netflix's biggest mm. release ever, 
which really just means it had its best first month of any other show. I saw LeBron today was like, man, I am not with the ending of Squid Game. Okay. Like, he was, like, very against it. I, I, I didn't watch the whole clip to see what he said about it, but I'm assuming it's... It has uh, bolstered the sales of white van slip-ons by, like, 10,000% or something. Oh, really? And I realized that part, at least a portion of that is probably Halloween costumes, mm-hmm. because there's going to be lots of Squid Game yeah, Halloween costumes. For sure. Yeah. That's a big investment for part of a Squid Game Halloween costume, though. It's a big 50 bucks. Sure, but you can always get like a cheap version of what would be a van. Yeah, you're right. For like 20 bucks. Yeah. And like white slip-on sneakers are a good thing for somebody to own. That's true. That's kind of a good, maybe I'll try to do a Squid Game costume. You haven't thought about Halloween at all? No, but our friends invited us to Cheap Halloween. Okay. Which is going to be like, I think it's like the cutoff is like 15 to 30 bucks or something that you can spend. That's cool. I don't know if it's an actual hard rule, but yeah be fun to come up with something that way my rule because initially i didn't care about halloween at all and now i actually kind of get a kick out of it because it makes becky really happy but my rule is i'll do a couple's costume with you as long as my part can essentially just be clothes clothes yeah that's no makeup no dye no wigs no masks right <clears throat> and so we're gonna be woody and jesse that's a good one yeah it's like really easy you just get a plaid and a mm-hmm. cowboy hat yeah and i'm gonna put like one of those uh white circles on my back I, I might be able to rig up a way oh, to make sure, it yeah. pullable. That yeah. might be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Almost like one of those little ring lights. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. And you can say there's a snake in my boot. Any thoughts on Saturday Night Live? Oh, uh, yeah. It wasn't bad. No, I know. It was, it was not pretty bad. Good. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. And you could see <clears throat> how the, the staff would show up for a Kim Kardashian. Because this is someone that they've all known as like maybe the ultimate celebrity mm-hmm. for the last it's just the purest form of a celebrity 15 yep. 20 not not 20 no, not 20 no but definitely 15 sure maybe years um so i think like they pulled out all the stops they got all the celebrity cameos in that one kind of bachelor yeah oh my god the cameos that was wild yeah. to say nothing of lindsey buckingham later during right. halsey's performance yeah um funnily enough like at first i'm like this song sounds like landslide and then my second reaction was oh i guess that lindsey buckingham <laughs> yeah um two things happened i think to make the show successful one of them is uh credit to kim she has a good sense of humor about herself she was yeah she got self-aware. she got the joke she was self-aware yeah. and so she was game for like doing stuff mm-hmm. it also helps by the way that she was just generally better at it than her mom or her sister who were oh, there. yeah. She was natural. Her, Chris Jenner was brutal. Right. Um, another important ingredient is that rather than resent her for being like an obvious punching bag by, you know, fancy comedy writers, smart people at 30 Rock, mm-hmm. they decided we're going to surprise people with how good this show can be. And they wrote her a great monologue. Yeah. And they wrote good sketches. Yeah. It was fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw that, like, the daughter of, like, Nicole Brown was very upset about it, which I could kind of see. I I honestly can't because... Talking about, like, how stabby... Yeah, I get it. It was a great great joke. Yeah, yeah, but it was also 25 years ago. I know. You were just just trying to piggyback on on the big moment. This is far from the first time people have made OJ jokes. That's true. On SNL, no less. Right. And they've in particular been going around the last month. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but 
I think it was, and I'm not trying to take like a, a more fragile side of this, mm-hmm. but could you see? Sure. In a, yeah, you know, someone joking about your parent being stabbed. Yeah, but how they, that would kind of be like, okay, fuck off. Except that it happened. Like, were we really? I know. Were we really? I know. Was she really joking? Was she making light of the murder, or was the joke specifically? When I was nine, I met my first black person. Stab in the dark, who that was. Right. It's a great fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. But but then there was like an elaboration <laughs> on like like she shouldn't have done that. Stabbed over and over. No, Becky and I said the same thing because like the next line, she's like something something OJ, and I'm like, oh, you ruined it. Yeah. Right. It was good on its own. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's just the New York Post called her for a comment because they knew they'd have some kind of like scandalous uh tawdry headline to run the next day Mm, sure i mean i what i'm saying is i think that she leaned into it as a to get the laugh yeah but i do think that you know it wasn't completely an innocent joke to be made no so it had an edge yeah sure didn't bug me no, of course not. It didn't bug. I mean, me personally, it didn't bug me either. Right. But reading the story, I was like, yeah, I could see that. I was thinking a little bit about uh, Jerry Maguire after our conversation last week. Nice. Q Dorothy, I've been meaning to tell you that I love him. I do. I love him, Laurel. I love him for the man that he wants to be, mm-hmm. and I love him for the man that he almost is. I love him i think if i call sweets wrote that movie it's called the man he almost is because that is the di- it's a bit of a mouthful but that is the dialogue that best represents jerry who is so preoccupied with this threat that maybe he's not a good person yeah that it's actually getting in the way of his being a real person right yeah it's it's preventing him from just living his life the man he almost is yeah i like that Going from the man he almost is to almost famous, also <laughs> none of the same people. Though. Yeah, not none of the same people. No, well, same. except for Cameron Crowe, right? Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. Or even if, what if you went the other way rather than mission statement and you called it memo? Yeah, memo. Memo is not bad. Except then you are tacitly stating that he's wrong to call it a mission statement, which he's not. It is a mission statement. They they, I, well, they fire him for misunderstanding him, right? I, I, well, I mean, I don't know if you're agreeing that it is a memo and that he's wrong in calling it a mission statement. It's just what everyone's perceiving it as. But why would you call the movie that? Like, the movie is, is about Jerry, right? I don't know. I feel like you could call the movie whatever you want. I disagree. You can't call the movie whatever you want. Yeah, okay, so... Isn't the point of this that the the title is wrong and and it doesn't suit the the movie the point of it is that jerry Maguire is a nondescript part of the movie besides him being the main character Mm -hmm. uh it's a little strange memo i think is kind of a nice nod to bob sugar that's what it's a nod to no 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 no, wait wait i'm on to something here okay memo is kind of a nice nod to him realizing that he is different from what everyone else is perceiving. Mm-hmm. And the fact that everyone's calling it a memo is kind of, and the movie's called memo. It's kind of like a quest of what he's trying to reverse. Then I think you call it not a memo. Okay. 
I just think if you call it memo, not you've, a memo. Ma- you've made the star the memo, which it's it's nor or at least you're celebrating the fact that he was wrong to write it in the first place, which he also wasn't. No, I don't. I don't think you're even celebrating the fact that he was wrong to write in the first place. I think you're. I think you're commenting on people's perception of it. It's it's like yeah. if you're. It's like if you're calling. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like another example of like a a, fr- a phrase that ends up being the title of a movie that is kind of the actually the antithesis of what the movie ends up being. Sure, you're not saying like like. You're not solving the movie with the title. I just, my issue, I think, is that there is actually not a memo in the film. And so you're just kind of called, you're just naming the movie after a word that happens to be said a bunch of times in the movie, Mm -hmm. but has nothing to do with the memo. No, but what I'm saying is that it's perceived as a memo. Yeah. But he's trying to, make everyone else believe that no 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 like that's that wasn't my intent i just it's, think if it if like his whole point is that you shouldn't call it a memo mm-hmm. we're doing the character of jerry who's our hero a real disservice by calling his movie memo he's the hero he's overcoming the title but but why would he it's overcome like calling, the title it's, it's like the calling title. the movie underdog and someone being like or the villain and he's not actually the villain so so just picture if a movie was called The Villain. Okay. And a guy ends up the guy who you think is the villain in the beginning ends up being actually the hero. Yeah. And you're like, "Okay, I see it was kind of like a character uh a, an arc mm-hmm. that he goes through." I kind of think this could be that. I think that that has a more poetic duality to it, whereas this is just a misunderstanding. Mm. Let's look at When Harry Met Sally, which is also a classically bad title for a movie. I like that I'm not willing to give up on this, by the way. No, I find Nine that... times out of ten, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. No, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But we're probably going to have to agree to disagree because I'm actually, sure. I'm really intent on planting my flag in memo being a <laughs> this bad This is title. the hill you're going to die on. I think it is, yeah. Weird hill. When Harry Met Sally's are like a really bad title, except for that everything happens after When Harry Met Sally. But it really isn't about these two people meeting at all. It's about them re-meeting and it's about them uh, crossing paths and it's about two people who actually have known each other for years. And so when Harry Met Sally becomes a really bad title for the movie, but that doesn't, it doesn't suddenly make it a good title because it's the opposite of what happened in the movie. No, but so you think it's a bad title? I do. You think the movie should be named something other than when Harry Met Sally? It just seems weird because it's such a such a popular movie which well, I, it's, I know and, is also kind of stepping on and the my phrase argument when Harry Met Sally has been said so much that it's kind of lost all meaning and it's just it's like and the icon for the movie mm-hmm. and I by the way don't have a better idea because I haven't thought about it very long mm-hmm. and I guess Nora Ephron didn't either she did not like the title when Harry Met Sally and she and I agree on that mm. and she did she write the movie or did she write a book first she wrote there is no book she wrote There's the no movie book. yeah gotcha well hey I mean yeah. Let's I mean it was a weird argument for me to pick up in the first place. No, I love that stuff. Yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. And like we do Jerry. agree that Jerry Maguire is a weak ass title. Yeah. This conversation was probably had, although he didn't know what would be the quotable lines from his movie. That's necessarily. true. Necessarily. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be a quotable line. It can no, even it just doesn't. be like a like Moneyball isn't uh it's a great name. It's catchy. But I don't think they say Moneyball 
in the movie. Uh, really? Is is Moneyball like not like a term that's based on the premise that they invent in that film? Or did Aaron the, Sorkin come up with, or whoever wrote the book, Ben Mesrick or whoever, like, did he invent the term Moneyball? I think he might have, or maybe it was it was thrown around a lot in the book. Mm. But I don't think they say Moneyball in the movie as like the theory. Something that doesn't do. doesn't happen anymore is like when the great writers just take their title from like scripture. Mm. Or or like like East of Eden just comes from scripture or like mm. the grapes Primal of wrath, fear. Catcher in the rye. Like none of these phrases really have that much mm. to do with the story. Well, it's like it's like lyrics for like songs from the 70s. Yeah. Where like if you listen to a lyric today, it's very very literal usually yeah whereas some of the things that are said in like led zeppelin songs or whatever not even necessarily like with a nod to like lord of the rings Mm. are just like hilarious turns of phrase yes or like even like a a bg song or like an abba song i'm i'm now trying to apply the when harry met sally title format to jerry Maguire. Under the same pretense, what would the movie then be called? Not when Jerry wrote a memo. No. But also when Jerry wrote a mission statement, it's too long. It might Jerry's be, mission statement is too much. It's it, not catchy. It might be called something like, uh, is career trajectory <laughs> too... <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough to say. Too sticky. Yeah. Or not sticky enough, maybe. Um I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe we've spent too much time on this. Maybe <laughs> okay. we should All come right, back fine. next week with with our like thought out thoughts. I Which think you I thought did. Out. You did think it I out. I sure did. I'm more on the spot. All right. I'm trying. I'm spitballing here. Matt Amodio finishes his ex- incredible winning streak on Jeopardy with one and a half million dollars on Monday. Whoa. He uh, he was defeated pretty soundly. In okay. fact. There have been some people saying that maybe he threw the game because he crossed the $1.5 million threshold. I think that's for sure not true. Why would yeah. he do that? Um, other people even going so far as to call conspiracy and say this new executive producer who's taken over for Michael Richards probably uh, skewed the game so that he would lose. I don't know why they would want their ratings getter to not be on the show anymore, especially nope. if he's like new in the job. And uh, I was listening to another podcast this week about uh, about game shows in particular. And this game show contestant was talking about how, like, your average American viewer has no idea how friggin' illegal it is to rig a game show. That there's, right. like, huge staffs of people on set to make sure that nothing shady is happening. Sure. I can imagine. He just got the yips. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a slumdog millionaire situation. No. Hmm. Yeah, got the yips after $1.5 million. Like, good on you, man. Yes. He probably stopped sleeping at one point. He's still won the third or the second most games of all time. He's like the third most prize winning guy. He's also going to dominate tournament of champions, I have to think. We're not going to, he'll be like a a top five person that keeps coming back for the next decade. Right. It's not the last you've seen of Matt Amodio. The Golden Globes are going to happen. There was some speculation because the the NBC said they were not going to air them anymore. Okay. Uh, And, now they're just not going to air on NBC. Gotcha. Golden Globes are happening. Um, you, just ahead of season three dropping in a few days, I think, mm-hmm. uh, already renewed for season four. And I really think they want to call it quits after that. This is not a show that can last forever and ever. And also, <clears throat> sometimes don't you want to not watch a show? Like, I think that's poor timing. Yeah. 
renewing a show before the season even starts. Okay. It's, it's like telling you, I want to go into a show not knowing where, like, yeah, what's going to happen. Especially a show with so much suspense and murder. Yeah. Like, I have to think that this show is going to end with Joe getting killed back. Right. And now I know it's not going to happen in season three. Exactly. Yeah. That sucks. Yep. That's a really good point. Well, you you uh, you extemporize that better than I could. Do you hear about that '90s show? No. Oh yeah. Is this happening? It's happening on Netflix. Eric and Donna not necessarily in it uh-huh. initially. Yeah. But their kid, their teenager, goes to live with the grandparents in Point Place for the summer. Deborah Jo Rupp, Kurtwood Smith confirmed to Whoa. star in that '90s show, 1995 Wisconsin. No way. Yeah. That's cool. Actually, it is really cool. And that's a bigger gap than what 70s show was when it came out. Or is it the exact same? Uh, about the same, I guess. It's It premiered in 98. It was t- about 20 years before. You're right. It's a little bit of a bigger gap. What was yeah. that meme that was going around about Days and Confused? Whereas if it happened right now, it would be like like 2005 or something. <laughs> like, oh God, that's so weird. Yeah. I wouldn't even know how to pastiche 2005. No, but Jen and I were talking about it. And we were like, "Oh, I mean, like, what what would like the soundtrack be?" And we were like, "It'd be like Maroon Five and no, I don't even think. Well, maybe Maroon Five. I was thinking more like, like it'd be like Fifty Cent and yep. like I don't know, uh, some like ludicrous like, and game. Yeah, and, like, by Usher. And, like, yeah, definitely like, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, totally, totally. Like that kind of." Uh, 2004 2005 oc soundtrack yes that's right it'd be the oc soundtrack so actually there is precedent for that to be nostalgic yeah turns out because we would watch it yeah and and love that shit because i'm aware of like what the 90s look like Mm -hmm. uh like parodically yep but I don't even really remember the 90s culturally. I was born in 1991. I, would, I didn't become like culturally aware until the 2000s. Right. And so it's not until we start like looking back on what it was like to be super into Mr. Brightside that I actually feel seen. Mm. But I think this is a step in the right direction. And Red and Kitty is a really great way to anchor this show. Yeah. Agree. Because this invites anybody other than Danny Masterson, mm-hmm. anybody else to come back if they want to. Yeah. And it's going to be on Netflix. And it should revolve around teenagers. Hopefully mm-hmm. they get, you know, kind of awkward looking, nobody teenagers we haven't seen before. And this show can maybe uh, rediscover that specialness they had before. Because I've said before, I think that was one of the great, the, one of the last great uh, multicam sitcoms. What do we think the theme song is? They're going to try to do something Shit. with it. Yeah, you're right. But a 1995 song. It's not necessarily going to be... Um, like Pearl Jam could be Pearl Jam but but I mean if we're thinking about the same like that was Big Star right no but there is a really good 13 by Big Star moment uh, yeah. I think it's Cheap Trick it's Cheap Trick that, yeah. but they cover the the song oh maybe maybe that's I think what it's it originally is. like yeah. a big but I'm, I'm trying to think of like what a similar similar song would be maybe even like a weird like Smashing Pumpkin song or something 1995 is such a yeah well it could be pearl jam especially Pumpkins is a great call but i also think that pearl jam works because these mm-hmm. are like they're kind of like dirtbag grungy kids in the basement you don't want it to be the spice girls like that's no not, no that's not gonna work and i don't even know if yeah 1995 i'm looking it up rock songs 1995 
Oh, yeah. Give us a top 10. Okay, so some of these are like really on the nose and they're not going to be You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. It's not going to be Wonderwall. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine. Uh, Santa Monica, Everclear. Oh, that would be, actually be a great song. That's kind of cool. Uh, this is a call Foo Fighters, uh, Radiohead, Jay Plastic Trees. My <laughs> not friends, be the that. Chili Peppers. No, definitely not. Chili Peppers could be a. This a, is, this a, is a good one. Collective Soul, The World I Know was 1995. Interesting. That's a really good song. Uh, what if God was one of us by Joan Osborne? <laughs> um, could be a Green Day song. Is that out of the question? No, no. I think a Green Day song, like a Dookie song, maybe not like an A an A list. This cut. is actually a very uh, rich area. Um, Misery by Soul Asylum. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anything by Gin Blossoms is a great. Follow You Down by Gin Blossoms would be yep. perfect. Yeah. Uh, December Collective Soul. When I when I come around, I think could be like a sure like when a, I come around, a, yeah, a covered version. It would have to be because otherwise it'd be so expensive. Maybe someone current doing a when I come around. Oh, that would be too weird. That would sound too fresh. Well, it was Cheap Trick covering Big Star. I think they did it specifically for the show. I don't think they had their own cover. Oh, well, maybe you're right. 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins is good. Okay. Uh, Sonic Youth, <laughs> Roll to Me by Delamitri. I've played all these songs on the radio. Yeah. I'll be there for you by the Rembrandts. Has that been used for a theme song before? <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> be so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Gel by Collective Soul. Uh, the Flaming Lips, Wilco. No doubt. That'd be too expensive. Mm. Um, Natalie Merchant, Lenny Kravitz, Annie Lennox, Garbage. High and Dry by Radiohead's not good, but it's a great song. Oh, wait, one of the best. Yeah. That that must have been from the Benz. The Benz was like their kind of like stadium rock album. Uh, da, da, da. I'm trying to think of the song. Captain Benz is possible. It was us in your oh the life of me. Freshman, freshman. Yes, that's a good one. Freshman would be good. Really on the nose though, but if it was like kind of like a heavy grungy version of that, yeah, I think you could pull that off. This is a rich area. Yeah, man. We should be consultants on this. I think that we just got really excited for that 90s show. I think we did. Absolutely. You could even spin it on its head a little bit if you wanted and not do a, do more of like an Ace of Bass song. Yeah, I don't want them to do that. You though. don't want them to do that. I mean, no. I mean, like. That's if, not the spirit of the show. If they went with like a, a female lead. They probably will. I think they probably will. Yeah. And it's uh, Eric and Donna's daughter but donna was hot donna like she was still like a rocker girl like you can still retain the the energy of the show which was at its core stoners in the basement that's true who liked to go to well i guess there was like fez liked disco jackie liked disco mm -hmm. what are the chances they can get back like ashton and mila to tell us about blockchains and shit <laughs> i think i think they will I think they can. I think the they blockchain can get part. everybody back except for Danny, who I don't want anyway. Well, I mean, like Ashen's doing the ranch or was doing the ranch on Netflix. Like he's got ties there. He's fine. Uh, it's just a big reunion. Like they'll be happy to do it. Topher Grace, I think, is a more of a, a tough get. Although yeah. he's doing like home economics right now. Second season's coming out. I think if the check is big enough, I think he'll show up. Yeah. And other people have been on his podcast. Like we talked about this last time we talked about Topher Grace when we did home economics on the podcast. It's kind of like a misrepresentation of him that he wasn't a part of the crew right. as it turns out. Yeah. That he was like the black sheep. And not the case. Laura Prepon's not a Scientologist anymore. It's true. That's good. 
It's it's ninety show season. Wilmer Valderrama is on like NCIS or something, but I'm sure he'll show up for a Netflix. Kid. He is, and Mark Harmon's about to be off. I learned that last night. I was just wondering the other day how much money someone like Mark Harmon has. Like he's probably up there with Ellen Pompeo. Just oh, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable bags. I think if you looked at like the highest paid people on TV, that that's like a BuzzFeed article. Like these people make so much money, and you yeah. had no idea. Judge Judy usually tops those lists. Nice, remarkably good for her. Did you see the new Chappelle yet? I did. I don't want to dwell on this, but like I, I probably spoke out of turn last week when I was like, people get too offended too fast by Chappelle. <laughs> yeah. Because well, the, well, it is punching down and it's so tired. I'll say this. Um, I think the points he was trying to make were, he was making a strange connection. Yeah. And I understand like why he was trying to do that and his maybe his frustration with it. But I felt it strange that he was spending so much time. It's like, like two the, thirds of the special. At least yeah. two thirds. Like I, I it's like we're talking like eighty percent. Yeah. Um he was asking to make a stir. Totally. And he says like this is gonna be my last special for a while. Yeah. Um which is fine. And while he's making good points at times, like like uh points that that serve the purpose of the like the transgender fight Mm -hmm. then he does things that are like completely going against and you're like oh yeah what what's happening right now we just it's just not a conversation he needs to be having over and over again it's not helpful to anybody there was a funny thing that got posted on uh on twitter that uh, is james and ancaster do you know that name? james acaster is a very good british comedian uh my brother is a big a big fan of his okay nice yeah first time i saw a clip of him and and someone posted like i'm posting this for you you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm posting this for no reason whatsoever and he's like hey they can't stand my edge the whole like thing he's like you know i'm a comic i tell it it like it is i tell it like it is yeah like i'm an edgy comic and it was like oh yeah seems like you know uh serving it up to the transgender community is who like you know that's who needs to have truth i challenge about. people yeah because yeah. they need another challenge. right they're yeah. the ones that need a challenge. i think originally that might have more specifically been targeted at ricky gervais but it definitely applies here oh interesting ricky gervais, like did he have a take on it similarly yeah gotcha. yeah something gotcha. that's dated now i might have said this last week but i think Chappelle's issue here is that he is just he's celebrated too much mm. and it has tricked him into being lazy and thinking that a special is just him spending an hour on on stage and that's not a special that's not your best Mm. you can't you can't do five hours in two years right this is very lazy yeah um and and i will say there there are points in the that there are points that made me laugh really hard like i was like having good laughs yeah laughs that i i don't give every special i wasn't like angrily watching it but i was um judgmentally watching it but you know it sparked like quite the outrage and there are walkouts happening at netflix well, man, now I, and sarandos I, is like really like digging his heels in you could you can see why yes like like it's, it's valid did you watch it yeah oh you did okay but i was on my phone a lot because i was not very good like that's i think needs to be said overall really not a great special even putting aside all of the problematic stuff he's, Cer- he's certainly been not so much better than this certainly not one of his most creative specials for sure. It yeah. was and again, like speaking of digging your heels in, what a strange hill to die on. Yeah. <laughs> like let's talk about shows, okay? All right, let's get into it. It's your turn to pick the show first. 
Uh, what's that going to be? Oh, I'll cover Made. Made, okay. Seems like an overall easier one to do. You recap the first episode of Made on Netflix mm-hmm. in three, two, one, go. Okay, so Annie McDowell's daughter is a single mother uh, of a of a baby named Maddie, and she's she wakes up in the morning. She leaves her trailer because uh, her husband uh, was very drunk and angry. So she takes off. Um, she's gonna try to get a job, but she's got no money. She's got like eighteen dollars. Um, ends up finding a job because based on social services, she needs to like get a job first. She goes and cleans a house. Um, and ends up basically back at her trailer, but bails again. She has to leave the baby with the grandmother, who's Andy McDowell. Who is like bipolar, for sure. Oh, she's like not a good environment no. for anybody. No. She's got like a deadbeat husband like or the, something. The only person of sound mind is the person who's struggling to make $12 Margaret Qualley. Yeah. yeah. She... Margaret. She... Um, Alex is the character's name. Alex. She... Um, it's a remarkable that she turned out okay at all. Like, oh yeah, is there the any good influence in her, her life at all? No, and that's what I—that's what was so sad about the show is that there was just like her friend group was just bad, not supportive. Her her, her parents were like the the setup was just all stacked against her. Yeah, you do meet her dad in the end because yeah. basically she's. Oh, yeah, there's this climactic moment where she's gotten a call that she didn't do a good enough job cleaning the mansion Mm -hmm. on the island. And in order to get paid, she has to go back and it's like the middle of the night. And now she has Maddie with her and she can't take Maddie to the grandmother's again. And she's she's left her boyfriend's trailer for the second time now. So she really has nowhere to go. She's really effectively homeless. And she's heading toward the ferry and uh, she pulls over the car because the kid dropped something out the window. And then yes. the car gets... Shmariel. What's that? Shmariel. Shmariel. Dollar store Ariel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and the car gets uh, totaled. Mm-hmm. And then her dad, like, kind of comes in to rescue. But, like, then we very quickly learn that he's not supportive either. No. So he's like, hey, I, like, I'd have you. But, like, Charlene would go crazy because the kids have to get up, like, first thing in the morning. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. And then he says why were you parked like that? Like, that's like something that your mother would do. Like, doesn't make any sense. And she's like, can we not talk? By the way, like, it, I, I, it was a nitpick, but like, it's crazy that she got a ticket for what happened. Like, you oh, have I was, to, I was legally have to be thing. able to pull your car over on the side of the road, which she did. And she was outside of the, the, the margin. I was thinking the same thing. I think the thing is you can't uh, pull your car against the inside median. Oh, I think you could pull it to the right side like on the shoulder, but, yeah. but she was like, her daughter was screaming and like, anyways, for like the 30 seconds that she was going to take. And that's all it was before her car got hit with her daughter inside. Her car got totaled and the daughter was inside. You think maybe the police officer would like pick his battles. Right. Or at least be sympathetic yeah. in like giving it, not like you got to leave. And <laughs> also like, yeah, um, I, I found that part kind of ridiculous too. Um, but I, I did like the running tally of money. I thought, I thought that, was, that was a really cool style choice. Thought that was smart. Yeah. Um, because I think that like you can do that to a point where you get like kind of successful. Um, and I think the show will have legs just based on that. Two broke girls did the same thing at the beginning oh, of every yeah, episode. It would right. say how much money they had. Right. Yeah. Was it your brother that was a big two broke girls stand? No. I don't know where you're getting that. <laughs> I really thought there was. Someone in your family that was. No, Two Broke Girls was genuinely terrible. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I thought I remembered you 
saying like Ross thought it was really funny or something. No, no, no. He would be so hurt that you felt that way too. Uh, I well, I thought it was a, a character quirk for Ross. <laughs> like it like wasn't. Him. It wasn't like a like that was you his know. downfall. No, 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 no. I I should be very clear. I, he definitely was not. I'm not where, sure where you're getting that. That's strange. We were not two Rogue Girls fans. Um, but you're right. The 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 net worth tally mm-hmm. for Alex was cool because. It starts out, she has almost no money to begin with. And yep. as she's pumping gas, the money is dwindling. Yeah. She'll go to the uh, the gas station and buy something inside and it'll go down a little more. And then when she finds out how much money she could make as a maid, it mm-hmm. goes up. But right. then she finds out she has to provide her own cleaning supplies, which, by the way, is insane. She's making oh minimum wage. Oh, my God. Wage. And she's paying for her uniform. <laughs> yeah. And so it's basically like she owes money at the end of the shift. And I, I did like when she had like $5 and she was like picking up items and it was like, eh. Like, yeah like price is right style yeah like, that's too much money that it was stuff like that that allowed the show that otherwise could have been very grim and morose yeah to have a little bit of if not levity just a little style and zeal yeah, yeah totally i i liked that i did think that overall first episode dark like it's, not i mean not yeah. a not a lot of brightness to it but yeah you know that it's going to get there well it's such a bummer but she's very winning, isn't she? You really root for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, because you know that she's got her, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. You're just like, come on, fight back. You got this. Yeah. I know you got this. Well, and you can kind of, I mean, this is, I'm I'm just predicting, but it seems to me pretty clear that when she goes and she cleans the, the mansion. Yeah. The woman who owns the mansion is like comically rude. She's like so oh over the top God, mean. Yeah. But then she has like a nice moment in the nursery where Alex passes out because she didn't have breakfast. And this, I think her name is Regina. Yeah. She's very briefly kind of compassionate. Right. And they're having a chit chat. And she explains that this is, she doesn't have a kid. They have a nursery because the house is staged because they're going to move. Although it kind of feels like maybe that wasn't totally the truth. Like maybe she wanted to have a kid. Or, or maybe they're divorcing. Yeah, there's, they're selling the house there's some kind of sadness out. in Regina. And so it yeah. seems to me very likely that because Alex is homeless, she's going to move into that house. Right. She and Maddie are going to live in that nursery. Did you think it was crazy that she didn't find a way to stash the food that was being thrown out? I was like, okay, objective yeah. number one, like if it's a clear bag, take that bag outside and just like throw it in your car. She has the fantasy. She's told to throw out yeah. all the food in the fridge because the woman's going to be away for a week. And right. she has a fantasy where she's like eating the apples and yeah. and the cake and everything, but then she doesn't The do fantasies it. were good too. They were kind of like an effective, That's right. uh, like, you know, her daughter running in and her like, you know. So we, we get we get two sides of- Also Shoop. Shoop recurs. Shoop is good. Yeah. I like that. She sings an acapella briefly yeah. at the ferry terminal. Yeah. Um, Ada McDowell, we get both sides of her. So like when we first drop off her granddaughter, she's, you can tell that she's like manic, right? but at least she's like good natured. Right. Uh, if not well-focused. And then in the end, uh, she has already delivered the granddaughter, Maddie back to, um, Sean. Yeah. The abusive boyfriend. And right. she's totally mean now. Yes. Uh, I guess we should talk about Sean too. Like it, it's when she's at social services, the problem is she isn't eligible for the shelter because she hasn't been hit. Right. It's not technically a domestic thing. Right. But then in the flashback, we see that he like threw a glass at her head. And oh, yeah. It shattered on the wall. Like that definitely qualifies. Right. He's a psycho. Yeah. She's kind of just phrasing it as, and I think that's her coming to terms with it too, is like mm. she doesn't want to like wrap him up in any sort of, you know, and she doesn't want to get wrapped up in any sort right. of legal battle. Right. That's probably true. Mm. And you know, she is Andy McDowell's daughter in real life. Yeah. Margaret Qualley. I wonder if it was kind of a thing 
did you notice who was a producer on the show? Hmm, no. Margot Robbie. Oh, cool. They had some of that uh, Once Upon a Time Once in Hollywood. That's right. Hang time. Yeah, she's the, she's well. the, the, the two feet girl from... Uh, the feet girls from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's right. Need you to prove to me you're 18, but you can't because you're not. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good line. <laughs> that's a great scene. That is a great scene. Yeah. I love that. That was a very redemptive of uh, Brad Pitt's character, actually. Yes. Yeah. Like, because you're kind of like, he's a bit of a grease bag. Oh, the like, whole Spawn Ranch thing. Could totally go there. Yeah. It, he's like such a hero when they when they go to that ranch. Yeah. You know, in the, in the book, the novelization, they outright say that he did kill his wife they do it's no longer a mystery in the book oh okay and they say he did it with like a harpoon canonically he killed his wife with a with a harpoon yeah oh man did you finish it no i I leafed through sure um because it's quite long but the thing about and and tarantino is absolutely conscious of this uh because it was part of the experiment to make a novelization in the truest uh form of the genre yeah is that sometimes the novelization is actually a little different from the movie because the writer of the novelization didn't see the movie the book had to be out before the movie came out right. they would be released simultaneously or sometimes the book would come out a little bit ahead of the movie mm-hmm. and so it was usually based off a script which was an earlier script and so changes that quentin made in the book are conscious of the fact that this wouldn't have been written with the same perspective as most viewers of the film nice it's like another meta level of genius yeah in the story so it's not going to be the exact same it's, thing it's not the same no cool i love that like the opening scene of the movie is where uh leo meets pacino in like that little cafe bar yep. so that happens in al pacino's office in the book little things okay. like that that sure. aren't really impactful but like just little details that are you're different. picking up on it and it's enough to keep you going through because exactly. you're like i'm not just reading the exact same thing I, I do. I do give made my s. Actually, I thought it was like a good watch, even though it's it's depressing. It had mm. enough pep mm-hmm. or enough charisma that I'm rooting for Alex. I was thinking about it last night too, and I honestly like when I got to the end, it was just so. Who am I going to tell to watch this show? I'm not going to discourage for sure. It's sure. one of those shows where I'm like, someone's like, "Oh, should I watch Made?" Be like. I I think it's got legs, um, but it's not maybe not for me. Right. Like I can't see myself well doing a, a ten episode run of made. And also, is every episode going to be this jam packed with train wreck stuff? Because like mm. it seems like they could have spread it out a little bit. There's yeah. a lot of bad luck in this episode. That's the thing. I mean, I think you need to set the stage of like she's she's working her way out of a hole. Like she's she's kind of hit this rock bottom. Yeah. I guess. Which is a funny way of phrasing it because that's a term usually reserved for drug addicts, which she's asked if she's a drug addict like 50 times because that's the position she's in. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, working her way up from that rock bottom. I'd be rooting for her, but I just can't see myself like stomaching more of it, you know? I'll keep you posted. Maybe I'll give it another shot. Sure. I think I'm going to try. Yep. Okay, uh, like I'll that. recap the first episode of The Wonder Years, but to be clear, this is not like the original Wonder Years. This is the new one that's airing now on ABC. Um, Just one little plot detail that I need you to clarify. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fight that he has with his dad before the baseball game. Yeah. Is that about whether or not he can play baseball? No, it's about whether or not they should uh, play in it like a an integrated crosstown ah, league and his dad says no his dad says there's plenty of teams yeah. locally that we can play with right. like why do you want to do this right yeah 
Okay. Okay. Cool. I, I think I can do this. Right on. Okay. We're going to recap uh, The Wonder Years Part 2 with Cheeds in 3, 2, 1. This is essentially a 23-minute uh, minute monologue by Don Cheadle about what it's like to be uh, a black boy, maybe 11 or 12 years old, growing up in Alabama in 1968. And he has a tight family and a group of friends, and he's got all of the awkward conventions of being a kid in like junior high, a girl he's got a crush on, he's at a new school, and he wants to play baseball. Um, he His dad tells him he can't play in the Integrated Baseball League, but he does anyway, and his dad comes to the game, which was a real great moment of being seen by his father. <clears throat> then Martin Luther King gets killed, and that really mm. anchors us in where we are culturally in this version of America. Right. And I think it had to be done. And I think a, a good way of phrasing it was that everyone remembers what they did on that day and how that affected them. Yeah. And I thought that was a good way of, of putting it rather than just like, it had to happen in the first episode. Do you know what I mean? It really grounds the first episode. Not every episode has to hit some kind of like Forrest Gumpy and milestone in history. Right. But two things. I think the original Wonder Years is kind of known for not having been too shy to do those serious moments in an otherwise funny show. Okay. Uh, and so that was important. Never saw an episode, by the way. And also this just kind of like reminds you of what's happening and like some of the bigger issues that surround the more uh, internal issues of just being an awkward kid. There's also mm -hmm. this world around you that makes it all the more complicated. Yeah. Um, I didn't really put it together. I knew it was 1968 Alabama. I, I didn't connect the dots that they were going to probably at least reference MLK in the right. first season. Is it Alabama? Yes. So oh, it's okay. in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I guess they shot it in Georgia. Right. And the dad is played by Dulé Hill, who is Charlie from The West Wing. I love this actor, Charlie but it's West Wing. very hard for me to see him as like the old guy in anything because he plays the young guy in The West Wing. He was also in Psych. She, she's all that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes, he was. I only know that because Jen watched it like two weeks ago. You watched it like two weeks ago. We talked about it. That's right. Yeah. I well, I sat down while it was already in progress. Not that I'm ashamed of it. I don't know enough about the original Wonder Years to say whether or not this feels like uh a spiritual successor to the show. Mm. Well, did you see who directed it? Yes, Fred Savage directed all of them. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it too because what's interesting about it is that whether or not it exists in the same universe as Kevin Arnold and Winnie Cooper, yeah. it is in the same era. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of uh, disqualifies the chance for overlapping storylines ever happening. We're not going to bring right. back those actors no. because they're adults now. Right. And so it's just kind of like a show that is very similar tonally, mm -hmm. but actually has otherwise nothing to do with it. And so that really rescues it from the plight so often held by these reboots mm -hmm. is that it's kind of a brand new, fresh show. Right. And I, when I was finished the show, I thought there was not really anything wrong with it. No, it was a good watch. It was terrific. I thought I think the show's really, going to be good. Really funny. I thought it was really sweet at times. Yep. I, I like, I have to imagine these big celebrity narrator roles mm. that like Ron Howard or Bob Saget or John McEnroe get. Well, I think that's almost why it's like, it's such a, it's almost such a cliche at this point. It kind of is. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the joke with John McEnroe for sure. Right. Uh, it was, but Dan the wonder years kind of started it. Daniel Stern did it in, in, I don't know if he was like as big of a, of a movie star. Cause this was even pre home alone, but he was the narrator in the 
original Wonder Years. And oh, really? Yeah. So Daniel Stern is the is Merv. Merv. Yeah, okay. Whoa, that's yeah. crazy. I had no idea. And so now it's Don Cheadle. And at first I was thinking, what a cushy job that is. Like you can do that from home. Mm-hmm. And and sure, but like he is nonstop in this. He, yeah. It's like, what is this Molly's game? Yeah. He's never not talking. He had like 12 minutes of monologue Definitely. in a 23 minute show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be weighted heavier in the in the earlier episodes. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I thought it was really sweet. I thought it, I don't know if I have a whole lot more thoughts on it, but I I thought it was like I thought the friend, the dorky friend, looked like a eleven year old Pete Davidson. Totally, and and he witnesses his friend. It's like the perfect age for it too, like his friend, uh, making out with the girl that he liked while he kind of like snuck out of the house. Yeah, witnesses that clearly heartbroken, and he kind of like phrases that into like everyone remembers that day for like different reasons and like that's one of the reasons that he also like it all gets piled in all those feelings and the hate what he also says that ties the the big thing the macro and the micro together is that it was just a reminder that some things never change yeah and so like martin luther king is like the quintessential example of that to him like this Mm -hmm. this horrible oppression and racism and violence is apparently never going to change right and also i am never gonna get the girl like right. once again, I am just the dorky friend. But also, you know that he eventually does get the girl because he's referencing like you know cussing out someone at his own kid's game. Yeah, but I I think they're very careful about the phrasing of this girl. No, no, in, in I, I, yeah, I don't think he gets her. Maybe he does, know. but um, I, th- I, but I think but, they're careful, but, so you don't know. But you know that he he's got a fulfilled life because even at at one point he says, you know, uh, my parents put a lot of. Uh, focus on me studying and that was really hard but like now I thank them and my bank account thanks me or something yeah so you're like oh cool he's like a successful guy oh, with a family he should be like yeah. it's it's a show about nostalgia and like right. and happy memories yeah yeah it would be so depressing if, if they were called the wonder years <laughs> because they were the more wonderful years but I didn't know how much they revealed and like I thought that the narrator was always very um kind of like middle like just like recounting from a blank space interesting you know like i didn't whereas he was like hey man my bank account thanks me you're like okay so like we're kind of getting like a profile of the narrator whereas he's not just like that was the best day another place we see like exactly the same thing is in stand by me when richard dreyfus is the narrator okay and he talks about like how, I mean, the, the whole premise of the movie and it, it resolves on this is that you never again have friends like the ones you did when you were 11 right. and you went to see a dead body or whatever. Um, but in the end, like you do. In, they actually like cut to him in his little writing study and he's got this big friggin' house and his kids are like, oh, he's always weird when he's writing. And uh, so like they do kind of turn him into a character that's separate from the protagonist as right. a child yeah but is more than just a disembodied voice right it's really quite the same i think that's nice yeah yeah it was good yeah it was really good i give it my ass i thought it was nice when at the end he goes home and in like the little trophy case his game winning ball is yeah. there sign ball yeah. i thought that was a fun point too where he says like how scary it is to get what you want when he kind of when when his dad goes like yeah you guys do whatever you want. Yeah. And he's like, oh, now I'm, I have the permission, but I don't really know what to do with it. That was like a feeling that I remember getting. For sure. 
that's really sweet. I love this stuff. I, yeah. I like, I totally love coming of age. I love like stuff that's just really sweet and makes you feel nice. Yeah. Give him my S two S's for me this week. I will say it. It Once I saw that Fred uh, Savage directed it, I was like, Oh man, I love that. Like he, maybe that he was like behind rebooting it all. Maybe he was like a, a positive force. In the, well, obviously he was a positive force in the whole thing. Probably a hand in it, but the perspective is really not his, right? Like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. But I wonder if he was like, I want to, I just like the fact that, you know, there's so many remakes for the sake of being like rebooting something that was already successful. Yeah. And I just like when there's a hand, like kind of like that nineties show. Mm -hmm. If, if the same people are kind of involved, which like, you know, the parents are going to be in it. Hopefully some of the writer writers are like, some of the people will get back for nostalgia reasons. Some of the actors will get back for nostalgia reasons. Yeah. Just ties it all together. There's also something to be said for lightning in a bottle and whether or not you can recapture what you had before that was kind of indefinable. Totally. And I don't know, people like the Connors, I guess. Well, the end of, yeah, true. The end of uh, that 70s show, like, kind of fell off. Yeah. Like, ratings-wise, I think it was like, like, the show was ready to be done. Well, the show couldn't recover from losing Topher Grace and Ashton Kutcher. That's true. Could not recover. In fact, like, the guy who played, it was Josh Myers, plays Randy, he yeah. gets a really bad rap yeah. for ruining the show. He didn't. It wasn't he just fault. happened to be there when the show was ruined. Right. And they were like relying on uh uh Tommy Chong for like like 90% of the jokes. You're totally right. Yeah. It's too much. Tommy it was Chong. done. It was over. Yeah. And then that 80 show was also a uh, like unmitigated mm. disaster. Was there any superstars on that show that we look back now and go like, "Oh my god, I what?" I want to say like Glenn Howerton maybe. Oh wow. Let me look it up. Because that's a good question. That 80s show, Lost for All Time. That 80s show, Glenn Harrison. I was right. Wow, nailed it. I sure did. And uh, Shyler Lee, who was the younger Gray on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And then some recognizable faces, character actors, but like those were the two. I think they were like the Eric and Donna. Cool. Meanwhile, we're still here for Everything Sucks. Yeah, that had freshman we, in it. Yeah. That's why it Did came it? to my head. Nice. Well, yes. it's, it's it's 95, I think. Yeah, okay. I so think this th- is our second crack at that. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny the funny line where the girl goes, uh, this song's kind of saving my life. <laughs> it's Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a hilarious line. That was a good show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Will Smith? Let's hear it. He is like very plausibly in contention for an Academy Award this year for King Richard. Is King Richard the the tennis one? Yeah. They're calling it King Richard? Yeah. Strange title. I guess we'll see. Maybe that's what they called it. But like at this point, it's very it's really too early to tell, but people usually start to try and decide who the early front runners are. And like Kristen Stewart for for mm, Spencer. Like Ryan Reynolds was. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's also, it's also just used as a talking point to sell a movie. Like already right. there's Oscar buzz and that's meaningless. Right. Um, cause it's not like, they're not misquoting anybody. It's right. just a thing they said. Maybe licorice pizza will get some of this, not to take too much away from uh, that. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson famously gets snubbed by the Academy Awards again and again and again. Hmm. Wonder why? I don't know. Too weird, I guess. Maybe he needs a little Will Smith in his arsenal. Puts a little Will Smith in his movie. He'll mm-hmm. win that Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you think he's in contention for apparently that's what like the they're starting to say about this guy that like Mm -hmm. he's very conceivably running for an oscar this time that this is his like playing a real person in a movie doing a voice 
being serious movie about Americana. Everyone who said anything about this movie is like, you're not going to believe Will Smith. Who was it that I saw? Was it like Jamie Foxx? No, probably. For some reason? Yeah, maybe. And they're like, oh, it's unbelievable. Okay. What he does. Apparently The Last Duel is really good too. I believe that. Ridley Scott, a little bit of, that's got some like (laughs) kind of almost like 90s vibes to it too, doesn't it? Yeah, it sort of does. Got a bit of a like, you know. You could almost see like a Soundgarden song playing over the trailer. <laughs> that would be so weird. Yeah. Well, that's A Knight's Tale. Well, like, no, not A Knight's Tale is so cheesy. It's yeah, like, but like, that's what we they do. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. the gimmick of the movie. Yeah. Sometimes I go to the IMDb Parents Guide and I look at the reasons that it's not PG. Uh-huh. And so I looked at the violence and gore section for The Last Duel and I can't see that movie. Oh, really? They're very clear about like people getting stabbed Throat in the sliding. face and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a little beyond where where you want to be. Right. But I'll see King Richard in spite of my philosophies. In spite of never trusting Will Smith. No, I will not. I will commit to not trusting Will Smith, but I'll see the movie, especially if he wins an Oscar. You'll pad his pockets a little bit, as we have before, and we probably will again. Oh, yeah. No, this is never about not wanting to see Will Smith movies. No, it's true. This is about never trusting Will Smith. We've probably seen all the Will Smith movies, you and I combined. Yeah, probably. Most of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yet... We never trust Will Smith.